uh, on having a servant heart. And uh, I can't think of anyone better uh, to come and speak about this. Uh, this is a guy that actually models it, who lives it, uh, and he's, he's servant hired. Everything about him is this. So um, let's pray for Keith. Uh, why don't you stretch out an arm and pray as well? Yeah, Lord, we thank you for Keith. Uh, I thank you for the man that you've made him to be, that uh, he's a godly man that follows you and serves you and serves his people. And uh, Lord, I want to pray that uh, his preparation um, would uh, speak to us this morning. Lord, the words that you've given him uh, would hit home this morning, that they'd go deep to our hearts. Lord, anoint him right now. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. With a bidding like that, I can't, must all be downhill from here on. Um, great stuff. Well, thank you, Jeremy and the band. I have to say, I found the start of worship this morning slightly disconcerting as the chord to a Who song started ringing out. Um, it's, you know, is it Barbara O'Reilly? Yeah. Um, not, very, you know, for one of my generation, it was quite, where am I? But yeah, great time. Thank you. Uh, um, we're in a series on Sundays um, looking at discipleship. We've looked recently at what it means to be a disciple. Uh, we've looked at about disciples being disciple makers and about how the community disciples functions together. Next week, we've got um, a guy called Lyle coming to speak, talking about discipleship in the context of mission, global mission. Eddie leads uh, Open Doors. Open Doors should be a uh, mission organization many of you know about. Uh, Headed started by Brother Andrew, uh, Open Doors based over in Whitney. And it's going to be great to have Eddie with us speaking next week. Do be here for that. This morning, as Mark said, um, we're looking at this whole thing of servanthood. Um, there'll be a few pickies to appear at some point, but not a um, vast number of PowerPoint slides this morning. But um, just to help us through it. And I wanted to just... Get you thinking at the outset with um, the first picture, please, stuff, Jake. We're going to ask you to stand on your heads this morning because servanthood is, in a sense, doing just that. It's looking at the world upside down to everybody else looks at it. Okay, help them out, Jake. Turn it over so they do not what I'm trying to look at. There you are. Actually, my grandson on a bridge on holiday. But upside down, things kind of odd. And that's in a sense what we're talking about this morning, something that's odd to how the world we live in sees stuff. Um, it's an upside down way of thinking that so often is how the kingdom of God is. It, it's diametrically opposed to how the world we're living in often goes about things. And so we've got a kind of job to do this morning to reorient our heads, to get them in line with how God sees stuff, which is actually different to how we normally do. Turn with me to Mark 10, if you would. If you've got a Bible here, um, if not, I might follow as I read this familiar story to you. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, to Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Nothing trivial, we just want the best two seats in the house, please, Lord. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. 
but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant. I wonder why. They became indignant with James and John, and Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. The upside-down kingdom thing. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Disciples of Jesus are those who serve. That's this upside-down kingdom that I'm talking about this morning. Greatness, in God's eyes, comes through serving. I want to try and touch on that from, from three things. Let's start off with us getting our heads around it with a change of attitude. Being willing to serve. And it's interesting that this, for me, that this thing that Jesus talks about, about the great thing to do is become a servant, is in this context where two of his disciples have been looking for recognition. I just felt right at the outset, we need to be honest with ourselves. You read that story and we think, what a couple of wallies, what a thing to ask. How stupid can you get? You know, probably would have joined the rest of the disciples in being indignant. Okay, let's do a reality check, starting with me. How often do I react when someone else gets recognition, but I've been working with them and I don't get any? How often do I react when I don't get an even notice for the things I've been doing? Or I think, well, surely I'm the person for this. And somebody else gets preferred over me. Hmm. Recognition. Or how about when actually we feel like, you know, we're on the in crowd. We, we've kind of got access to somebody really important. And, yeah, we know what they know. And you know, the rest of you need to be. Never mind, don't worry. You know, we're all right. We know really what's going on. Or we just like having a label or badge to wear because we know that we kind of now we matter. Things that make us feel important. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. We've got to face up to, right at the outset, wearing this whole embracing servanthood thing, we're actually still ourselves grip with a sense of wanting status, recognition, success, labels, somehow wanting to feel important. Jesus says, guys, that's not where it's at. You want to be great, you've got to be a servant. It's like, just to give you a visual illustration, it's not the best, smartest, poshest hat I own, but it'll do for right now. There you are, walking around in your sort of posy, get-noticed hat, and Jesus says, no, take it off, think differently, and put on your cap of servanthood, and think of yourself differently, and think differently. I'm not going to wear it just the time, I was going to put you off entirely. Change of hats needed. Second thing we need to do is get a hold of the fact that servanthood is about putting others first. 
The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. The one who deserved more attention than anybody else didn't demand the attention and the honour and the glory. He came to serve. To do that, we need to recognise and attention ourselves that we're still, at root, unfortunately, selfish people. And we actually don't like putting other people before ourselves. Because actually what we want is more important. And we'll, we'll grapple with that. If you don't, you're more sanctified than me by a long way. I don't know if you know the phrase, you're good at my expense. But it's a kind of way of modelling this, putting others first. I want to do you good. It might cost me something in terms of time, effort, money, whatever. But I want to ensure that actually your good is realised, your good's achieved. Something good happens to you. Years back, this was powerfully brought home to me when um, somebody lent us their car uh, so we could go on holiday. And we dutifully did, and it was great. But on holiday, the car caught fire. (laughs) And we were stranded in somebody else's car that was no longer (laughs) drivable. At which point, the person whose car it was took the trouble to organise the recovery of the car and sorted out the repair and the bills and wouldn't let us pay anything. Now, that's maybe an extreme example. I'm not suggesting that all our marks of servanthood are typified by that level of self-sacrifice. But it might be. But I think, you know, those of us, you know, and there are lots of you here who've done the sort of baking cakes when folk have come out of hospital, when folk have just had a baby. That's your good at my expense. Um, I've watched... Paul and Ruth recently, well, about a year ago, had their house redecorated. And loads of the folk in the community group got stuck in helping them decorate it. You're good at my expense. Putting others first. But it's part of what it means to embrace getting hold of this servanthood thing. And recognising when we do that, it's going to cost us. And there's a battle that goes on inside of us of being willing to do that. You know, this is not something that to most of us comes easy. There's always a choice to be made. But it's a choice that I think is is what God's after. Because, if you want to put it differently, he's about us being willing to serve the least, the last, and the lost. Serving involves cost to ourselves. It involves self-denial. But he who would follow me must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me, said Jesus. So self-denial is in there, this recognising that. And I think it's a journey, I think it's a battle. I'm not pretending it's easy, but we've got to recognise that's the challenge. That if we want to take Jesus seriously and be his servants, we need to get to grips with that. So is this just something that, I mean, if Jesus was landing on this, it's enough of a challenge to pick up with. But is it just something that Jesus said and then got forgotten? Well, I just thought I'd just spend some time in preparation, just checking out the New Testament. Like, does this thing continue? And if you read Paul's letters, which kind of the mark we got primarily of the early church, the number of times he starts his letters with Paul, a servant. Not Paul, the great apostle, Paul, the guy who started your church and has done everything wonderful, and you should be really pleased I'm writing to you. But Paul, a servant. A servant of Christ and a servant of the gospel. So Paul recognised the servant thing was important. And interestingly enough, even though the letters, as it were, percentage of the New Testament are less. Peter, James, 
and Jude all use the same label of themselves. They see themselves as those who are serving. So these guys had got it. Discipleship had worked. Jesus had imparted something to them. But the early church had it too. There was the constant encouragement through the lesson in the New Testament to live as servants of God, to serve one another wholeheartedly. That dynamic of you're good at my expense being at work. And I think that passage we're all familiar with in Acts 2.44 where they talk about all the disciples having all things in common and, and sharing goods and stuff with one another. I think models that same sense that they caught something of this servant thing that was being asked for. So I think Jesus modelled it. The early church got it. Uh, and it's now our turn in turn to inherit that too. Now, this taking on this kind of choice to embrace servanthood, as I say, I don't think it comes easy because it's at, at root it's challenging something deep in ourselves, our own selfishness and our own kind of self-centeredness and our own sense of the being important that we, we all grapple with, that sense of identity that, that matters to us. Now, for some, and we look around and we can see people who have clearly been given that gift of servanthood. I could embarrass one or two people here this morning, but I won't do that because I think it's really more embarrassed if I mention them by name. But you know people you've seen who... The serving thing is just natural. I think one of the guys working with Mark up in Kidlington. And, you know, it's just a gift that God has given him. And he's just naturally a servant. Um, and like some of us, he doesn't think quite so hard, I don't think, about the, the choices. He's always there willing to sort of be available and to help. It's a gift God gives. Romans, Paul talks about gifts given. And among them is the gift of service. Um, some it's a apostolic, some it's prophetic, some it's a gift of service. And so we're there for a sense, we observe that. But that doesn't let the rest of us off, just because for God particularly gives some. I think that as a model, actually. It's like God, in the same way that God releases the prophetic gifting to enable us to be trained and equipped and helped to be prophetic, God releases the gift of service in his church so that we can all see it at work, learn from it, and be helped to emulate it ourselves. Because this, this servant thing isn't like a, an optional lecture for a few of us on a good day when we're feeling really holy. It's, it's core to how Jesus saw us living out a relationship with him. Yeah. And so therein lies the challenge, but there also is the encouragement. Of we're seeing folk around. So if you see somebody who's got the gifting, be grateful for it, honour them for it, and appreciate the fact they're walking in it, and learn from them out of it. Because all of us are still free to choose to serve. It is a choice, ultimately. Um, it's about laying something down in order that Christ-likeness can go in us. And it is primarily, it's a, it's a mental and a hard attitude that, that God wants us to have. How are we doing? And I think I'm going to help Jake keep up with me. We're about three slides on, Jake. Uh, and keep going. No, no, that's where we are. That's where we are. Yep, Philippians 2. So, if Jesus obviously marked the challenge to be servants, how did that then get expanded in the early church? Let's go to Philippians 2, that passage I'm sure many of us could actually quote, especially as we've done Esther, challenge or interaction. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion... 
then make my joy complete, says Paul, by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here we go. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. First thing we've looked at and touched on is his need to get our attitude in line with what God wants. It's a challenge to align up our attitude. The second C is, I think, there's a confidence to act. If serving's a choice, then actions are going to follow from the choices that we make. And it's actually having confidence to act out what actually God wants for us. And I think Jesus set an example here that challenging as it is, is something of a model for us to sort of grapple with. First thing he did, if you like, he got undressed. He made himself nothing. He took off that which was rightfully his and laid it down. And then he put on a whole different set of rags because he took on the nature of a servant. So he took off the smart DJ and he put on uh, the grotty apron or whatever you want to overalls to be a servant. He humbled himself. He chose to take a low position and he became obedient. He was a guy who took orders. Because if you're being obedient, you have to do what somebody else has told you to do. You've taken orders. don't know how I like that very much. Getting undressed, putting on a set of rags, walking around doing what everybody else tells me to do. But that was Jesus being a servant. And I sort of feel like a bit uncomfortable right now. But I think there are three things in this that actually we can, if that's not too heavy, be encouraged by. See, Jesus made choices. He didn't, it didn't just, just, didn't just happen to him. He chose to lay something down. He chose to put something on. There was an active choosing and recognising that he had to take the initiative, he had to take action here. And in that process, he recognised he had to put something to one side. He couldn't do everything. He couldn't go around still being the wonderfully complete, glorious son of God and be a servant at the same time, in a sense. He had to lay something down in order to pick something else up. We can't have it since both ways. But the thing I, I just felt particularly underlined this morning is he took initiative. He chose to act. He chose to respond. He chose to be obedient. And it's that initiative thing that I think, particularly, I just wanted to encourage us all in, that Jesus modelled it. It's there for us. Practically, for some of us, it's about opening our eyes and seeing things. 
And you know, some people are more gifted in seeing things than others. You know, I used to work with David Freeman at the King's School, and David forever pointing out to me the kid whose tie wasn't done up properly, or the litter that was on the corridor or the classroom that I hadn't noticed, because he always saw these things. And, and I had to learn to kind of train myself to spot them, because I just didn't see them. Um, don't be afraid to notice what needs doing. Try to, you know, for some of us, as I say, I think it comes naturally in the way we're gifted. For others of us, we've got to kind of train ourselves to open our eyes, to look, to notice, to observe things, and not just to kind of let it glaze over us. Don't wait to be asked. If you see a need, assume it's your job to, to do something about it, not that it's somebody else's job somewhere. Be creative. Particularly if you're somebody who is naturally creative, then don't be afraid to serve creatively. That's a real blessing when something is presented. You know, maybe you get a, you do a meal for somebody, and because you're good at the, the cooking thing and the way you present it, you're that much more creative. It's even more of a blessing to the person who receives it. Don't, don't be afraid to use your creative gifts uh, in being a blessing. And I think in all of that, be open to being served yourself as well. I mean, just. It's interesting for me that just a bit of close where we live, every Thursday the bins go out. And I'm normally out in the morning um, somewhere, maybe here for a meeting or something like that. And when I get back later on in the day, the bins that I've been put out have been tidied away. It didn't happen magically by some angelic visitation. That was one of the neighbours. Um, and you know, they serve me by putting the bins out that provokes me to make sure I do the same days I get the opportunity to do, do likewise. But let's be open to being served as well as to serve. And for some of us, we actually find it really hard to be served. We kind of think, no, no, I should let somebody else do it. And we'll touch on that later on. Okay, time for you to do something for a couple of minutes. I just want you to stop and chat this about the folk around you if it helps you, or just ask God and see where you get to. But this week... How could you think of some ways that you could see, serve someone else? It doesn't have to be new and different. It could be something already that you know you're able to do. That's fine. It might be something new. But just take a moment and think, hmm, okay, this week I'd like to do that for somebody else. You're good at my expense. Well, I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about that before we carry on. Okay, you're going to get another chance to do that before I finish this morning. So let's carry on for now. Um, this thing about being confident to act on what we see why can we be confident yeah, because if we kind of think well is this the right thing to do you know, should I be doing that whatever I just want to suggest to you that we can be confident because first and foremost being a servant is something God wants us to grow in so if you see an opportunity to serve somebody else, it's not like you're doing something desperately wrong. It's you're doing something that your heavenly dad is very pleased about. So don't, don't be afraid to serve. I think the question is not so much, should I serve? But where can I serve? How can I serve? Yeah. Be confident because it's something God wants. Be confident because God's made you in his image. We're all made in his image. He's an incredible creator. 
therefore we can expect to be able to serve with some measure of initiative and creativity because that's what God's like. And most important of all, I think, we've got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives, empowers, enables us. So that when we need the energy, the will, the resource, whatever, he's right there alongside us to enable us to be the very thing that God wants us to be. So I think we can be confident in acting on what we see and taking action about it. But I'm very aware that what we're talking about is also demanding. And I think, again, there is, you know, costly as it may be, there's great encouragement from watching the way Jesus went about it. Think about that. Uh, we call this morning the bowl and the towel, which is, for me, the, 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 to capture the story of Jesus at the Last Supper and washing his disciples' feet. And just try to imagine yourself in Jesus' position at that point, the, the Thursday night before Good Friday, before he goes to die on the cross. Guy who's increasingly aware that that which he came to do is coming to its kind of ultimate. All the emotional and, and physical and spiritual pressure inside him because of what's going to be demanded of him over the next 24 hours. He's already had a pretty grueling week battling with sort of the authorities and teaching in the temple and so forth and so on. Um, he's pretty wiped already. So you get there for the meal and the thing that would normally happen is it's the, the, the person presenting the feast, the meal, the householder would come and wash up one of their servants come and wash his feet. You know, that... that and we don't live in a hot climate. The idea of cold water on our feet might seem slightly sort of whatever. But those of us who have travelled, when you travel in hot countries, you'll know that that kind of, you know, it only takes your feet being washed to bring about a real sense of refreshment. You know, the cool flows up from down below. And you, you, just, you just feel an awful lot better. And Jesus should have, could have, would have expected that to be done first and foremost to him as the kind of the head honcho, the lead guy, the guest of honour at this meal. Instead of which he says, guys, I may be absolutely wiped out, exhausted, shattered, somewhat perplexed, challenged about the next 24 hours, but right now, I'm going to wash your feet and do you good first. You're good at my expense. And that's an incredible example of what it means uh, to lay our lives down for the sake of others. Tired, hungry, you still put others first. And I'm not trying to get sort of too sort of Christian cliched about it, but there's a sense of, you know, that's the model. That's what Jesus has done. That's what Jesus has shown us. And when we're feeling situations, I can't do it anymore. There's a bit of a challenge to me that says, well, hang on a minute, Lord, you know, you've You've done that, you've modelled that, you've shown that, and probably the situation is far more demanding than I'm in right now. Would you help me? Because actually I realise it would be really good if I could do this in this particular situation. Not out of guilt, but out of a willingness to, to give ourselves. You see, and all that takes us out of our comfort zones. We're now feeling somewhat challenged by all of this. But it's in the, the being out of our comfort zones that I find that God's kind of on my case and is around just to kind of just touch on the hard attitude he wants to refine, just to sort of show me something that I was in danger of missing, and, and which I then need to engage with him over. Um, or even just we're just plain tired, we learn that actually there is that sense in which 
our strength is made, sorry, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Uh, and we just draw fresh on the fact that God is with us and enables us. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's challenging. I'm not pretending it's not. But there's something in all of that that I think we can be encouraged by the fact that Jesus has shown us there's a way to do things differently to the world around us. And I think there's also great encouragement in not serving alone, in not kind of getting into this um, martyrish mindset where I've kind of, I've just got to do it, I've got to do it on my own, I don't care about anybody else. I've been struck just again recently just how often, you know, the New Testament model is, at least in twos, Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. You know, Paul and his travels always had at least somebody else with him, if not more than that. And just, it just kind of underlined to me that I think actually it's kind of God's model for us, that actually we don't try and manfully or womanfully, boldly go there and just do this thing because it's what we should do. But actually, when you take somebody with you, it's a whole lot more fun. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do this, this, you know, they want people to help. Oh, I'll come back in a minute, people to help. You know, they want people to help next Saturday. I think about going, do you want to come with me? You go together, you have fun together, it stops being a chore, it starts being even more of a laugh, it's great fun, and there's a kind of iron sharpening, iron encouraging one of the discipleship thing that goes on in the process. So don't feel you've got to do it alone, do it with somebody. And I hope some of that has just sort of maybe challenged us, maybe helped us think afresh about how do I serve? What about who do I serve? Galatians 5.13 tells us, serve one another in love. There's clearly a place for serving well within the family of God. You don't need permission to serve either formally or informally. Um, because if, you know, that, that's where it needs to take life. Now, at that point, we're going to press the new sheet button. If I can find the new sheet. Here we are. Inside page of the new sheet. Imagine the new sheet this week's got full of opportunities to serve. It's quite interesting. I didn't organise this, um, but opportunities to help, there are lots of them. But top left-hand corner, I particularly want to draw your attention to. Opportunities to help, serving the church. The following, following from previous week's appeals, we still need helpers in 7s to 11s, helpers in 4s to 7s, and stewards. Um, if the family of God's going to work well together here on a Sunday morning, we need to be willing, one, each of us, to help serve. And I think as we've said before, you don't have to be the, the world's most anointed expert in any of it. You simply have to be willing to serve because others can help train you and you can grow in something that maybe you didn't realise you could do. But pray about it. Which of those is a yes for you to help plug the gap? And while we're talking about serving, here's a request from Roger Cole down in Henley. We have the opening of D2 at Henley next Saturday and Sunday afternoon at 4pm. Can anyone help us with the children's activities from 4.30 to 5.30 on the Sunday? We need all the people who usually help to be part of the meeting on the day. So in other words, all their children's workers they want in the meeting at that point. So could we please have some folk outside? We're looking for three experienced children's workers to lead about 10, 4 to 11s. Yours, Roger. If you could do something about that, come speak to me afterwards and I'll get the message passed on to Roger. Thanks. Opportunities to serve. Who do we serve? We serve one another. But the other area which we can serve is beyond one another. 
Um, I used a phrase earlier on, the least, the last, and the lost. I've nicked that phrase from the guys at the church in Sheffield who are helping us kind of think about and develop the missional community thing. That's kind of one of their buzzwords, key phrases, part of their whole kind of way of thinking. And in doing that very thing, going into some areas of Sheffield that would be among the least and the last and the lost of the people of Sheffield, they've seen God do some incredible things. There's some really exciting stories of people uh, not just being helped practically, but also in the process coming to faith as well, in significant numbers. And there's an, a challenge and an excitement about us pushing out beyond our comfort zones. Because I guess there's a certain sort of, you know, how much it made your challenges. We kind of know if we serve within the church that people are largely going to be nice to us because we like one another and we're kind of kind to one another, at least most of the time, I trust. Um, but when we kind of push out beyond that, it's a bit kind of, well, how's it going to be? You know, are they really going to receive it? Am I going to be look a complete fall, etc.? But there's something in, in, in that that actually uh, I think is in, in God's heart. I think the Good Samaritan modelled that. You're going to go back to that story and think of it from his point of view as a guy who served across outside of his comfort zones to someone who, in a sense, he viewed as the least and the last. Do you know what? I was going to give you another moment to think about it. Go back to that thinking slide. Um, how about just thinking for a moment of maybe ways in which you might serve among the least, the last, and the lost over the next few weeks? Is there just something that comes to mind right now where you could follow that one through? Have a think about that for a few seconds before we move on. See, my purpose in asking you to do that is not because I want to make the sermon longer and keep you in your seats longer. It's because, you know, you stand up here and you share something you think is actually in God's heart to grapple with. And you think, yeah, lovely sermon, Vicar. And we walk out the door and life carries on. I'm trying to earth it this morning by saying, okay, right now, how could I put that into practice? What, what might this mean for me this coming week uh, that would be just a bit different to how last week was? Um, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. Um, so I hope that's helpful, and we may get even more time for the end of the meeting just for you to sort of think that through and act on it. Okay, so right now, if you're me in this process, you're feeling somewhat, this is all a bit serious and a bit challenging, and I'm not quite sure I can do it. And that's okay, because actually we now get to the best bit. Because if all of that has been the, the challenge that God's got for us, it's not like he expects that all to happen just out of our own energy and self-effort. And I want to finish my third C, that's a slightly contrived C, by talking about us being centred in Jesus, centred in Christ. Because that's where the whole ability to resource and motivate and find the energy to be these servants God wants will come from. And I, I hope this is helpful because I sense there are actually some particular attitudes that some of us still have in this whole area that God wants to help us with as, as we get into this. See, I, ultimately, however much there's a challenge of obedience in response to the word of God in being embracing this servant thing, we don't do it out of self-will or duty. We do it because we understand who we are as redeemed sons and daughters in Christ. That our, if we can get a security in who we really are as his kids, 
That should release us, enable us then to be servants. If we don't get a hold of that, we're in danger of thinking that somehow this serving thing is, becomes a work that I've got to do to impress God and make him feel that I'm being a really good Christian because I'm really working really hard at serving everybody around here. Yeah. And that would be not of faith, and that would therefore be sin. The scripture says, what is not of faith is sin. And so the challenge is in us, I think, to get a hold of the fact that we are secure as his kids, as his sons and daughters. We know, first of all, that we are loved. If you like, that adds to our sense of identity. We all want to know who we are. We want to feel loved and accepted. But the danger in this servant thing is that we can think of ourselves as lowly servants. And I'm just, I'm not really very good and I'm not really very important. I'm just a servant around here. And think I'm being really holy by being a servant because Jesus likes servants. I want to say I think that's a wrong attitude. I think you've come under something, if you think like that, that has lost the fact that first and foremost, you're a son or a daughter of God. I no longer call you servants, but friends, said Jesus. We're friends of God. We're his kids. He loves us. Yeah, he wants us to, to model and copy him in being servants. But he wants us to be his friends. Those who are secure in knowing that we're loved and can love and respond to him in turn. Um, let's make sure we're not hiding behind this kind of wrong sense of being a servant. But recognise that we're now children of God who are free to and have chosen to serve. It's not carrying that Martha or Martha spirit around. It's dumping that and making sure that we know that we're sons and daughters of his. And then it's being secure in the fact that we know we're called. Our servanthood is God's choice for us. The role he has for us is kids. And I think there's something in you know, when, uh, when you know... When you've got a good relationship with a, maybe with an earthly dad, but certainly from your heavenly dad, and he says, that's what I want for you, son. You think, that's what you want for me? That's really what you want me to do? Okay, that's all right then. I'm free to do it. Yeah. This isn't a burden. This isn't, this isn't something demanding and unduly challenging. It's a freedom. Um, now, we may still have battles with ourselves because of the whole self-will thing. I'm not pretending that somehow it's always wonderfully easy. But... There is still, I think, that sense of security and release, a sense of purpose that comes to us when we realise, actually, Dad's inviting us to go out and do this stuff. Oh, that's what you want, Dad. That's great. And thirdly, I want to suggest to us that actually we know we're kept. If we're secure in a relationship in God, we're secure in who we are right now. We're also secure in where we're going. Our eternal hope is there for us as well. And if the way forward for us right now is to model servanthood, it's only that like Jesus, we can ultimately enjoy a day when we're sat around the throne in glory. And I don't think it's only that, but I think it's part of the process that we we understand God has the journey God has for us. That our future is secure. It's not about what will I miss out on now. 
Because the promise is that what we lay down for the kingdom now, we get back a hundredfold and more um, in the time to come. Come to me, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. Right? So there is a, a reward in this whole thing. You know, the number of times in Jesus tells his parables, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, enter into your reward, enter into your inheritance. And just in brackets, remember that reward often in God's economy means more responsibility. Um, so we serve then out of security, not out of a need to be fulfilled. We serve out of calling, not out of duty. We serve out of our true identity as sons and daughters, not a false one. For me, the core to being disciples of Jesus is growing in servant-heartedness. God wants us security as sons and daughters to choose to serve confidently, drawing on Christ the grace we'll need for the opportunities around us. Now, wherever we are on that journey this morning, I would encourage us all to embrace afresh the fact of who we really are in Christ. And out of that, realise we're free to make choices to serve where God gives us the opportunity. May God enable us to do that in the days and weeks ahead. Now, I just felt in, in bringing this to a close that there are particularly three kind of areas of response I felt for some of us might be particularly appropriate this morning. I did feel, going back to the visual props, that, that some of us have been too worried about the sort of hat we're wearing and have been a bit reluctant to embrace the servant cap. And just wondered if some of us this morning do need to recognise that we've been a bit too hung up about recognition and status and do some business with God that I guess will ultimately need quite some repentance because we realise we've actually got to put something down and pick up something different. Um, but I do feel that was that appropriate for a few of us. I think for a number of us, this stuck in a servant menta- servile mentality is a bit of an issue. That actually we, we think of ourselves in some kind of second class sort of a way we're not really that important we don't really matter we're just humble servants humble servants my lord humble servants and I don't think God particularly likes humble servants I think he wants us not to walk around can't if I can do this here we go best I could do quickly he doesn't really want us walking around penny of servanthood on Thank you. All right. It's time to dump that and put on a proper robe of righteousness and know that we're all real sons and daughters of his who can choose to serve because that's what God wants for us. Not that we're stuck in a kind of prison of servanthood because there's nothing better for us. And I think that's a significant difference that produce, maybe it looks like the same actions come out of it, but they come out of a different motivation, a different heart. And I think for some of us this morning, there's almost a need to physically take off something and put something else on. And finally, many of us are just simply in weary and well-doing. We've been doing the right thing, 
But you do the right thing often enough and you forget actually really why you're doing it. It's not doing out of habit and out of your own strength. And we've got weary in doing good. Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then you can take up my yoke, says Jesus, not the one you've been carrying. Graham talked to us this morning about Jesus himself coming to us. I think for some of us that's the way in which he wants to come to us this morning, simply to refresh us. Rachel talked about God not running out on us. And if we feel like we're stuck in this servile thing, God hasn't abandoned you there. He wants to change something for you. He wants to come to you in that. So God's speaking to us this morning, I really believe. And we're going to ask the band to come up as we finish. They're going to lead us in a song just so we can just continue to respond to the Lord in worship. And out of that, maybe um, it'll be appropriate for some further form of ministry down here and Mark can handle that.